Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit PlanetBroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. This episode of Serious Issues is brought to you by Vans and Marvel. That's right, the very same Marvel that make a whole bunch of comics I'm about to talk about. They've collaborated with Vans and you can wear a pair of Vans shoes that have Marvel characters on them by going to vans.com.au slash planetbroadcasting and uh, answering a cool question. I'll tell you more about the competition and the shoes later in the episode. Hey, what's up? Welcome to another episode of Serious Issues, a weekly comic book podcast brought to you by the good people at King's Comics in Sydney. Uh, all the comics that we're about to talk about on the show have been given to us by those kind people. Uh, and should you ever find yourself in the vicinity of Sydney, definitely make your way to King's Comics. That's 310 Pitt Street, Sydney. Or if you can't make it and can see, come see those sweet books in the flesh, why don't you go to kingscomics.com uh, and you can pick up every single book that we're about to talk about, even the ones that we don't say are good. Um, because that's how the comics industry works. You can't pick and choose. Um, <laughs> it's off to a great start. Um, and uh, the, the, it's about to get even better because uh, Siobhan Coombs, my regular co-host, um, is not here this week. Taking a break. Yeah. Uh, she's, she was well given... break. Kings gave her a birthday gift of seven days of unemployment uh, for her birthday. Um, also, my name's Andrew Levins. My name's Megan. Uh, yeah, Megan. I was, I was going to do a... I'm a, not Siobhan. Yeah, not Siobhan. So, my not Siobhan this weekend, this week, is uh, is Megan Date. Uh, Megan, if you if you are one of the many who attend the Queens of Kings nights that Siobhan runs at King's Comics, uh, you're almost like Siobhan's second in command there, right? Yeah, basically, I just kind of appointed the title to myself. <laughs> um, so, I've been going since the start. Yep. And I co-run the online discussion group for Queens of Kings. So Queens of Kings is a, uh, a women and those who identify as women only uh, comic book group um, at Kings Comics. Uh, it's like the last Sunday of every month. Yeah, the last Sunday of every month, uh, 5.30 we start. Um, we have a book of the month. You do not have to read the book of the month to attend. <laughs> but, it, but it's always good stuff. It's always, it's it's always, always great. Siobhan um, always picks that one, right? Yeah. She would never let you do that yet. We're just working through Siobhan's favorite comics. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think we're Someone was Runaways. Yes, the, which is amazing. And if you listen to that show, you know how much we love that. Yeah. Um, if you want to find out more about Kings, Queens of Kings, it's like facebook.com slash Queens of Kings. Yes. Easy as, easy as pie. Um, but as well as that, um, Siobhan has described Megan on the show a couple times as the only cosplayer she likes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we should talk quickly about some of the, the heroes that you've and, and villains that you've dressed up as um, uh, for your multiple oh, okay. kind of cosplay shoots and, and various appearances. The first person I ever cosplayed was Black Widow back mm-hmm. at the very start of Oz Comic Con Sydney. The very first Oz Comic Con Sydney show. 
Um, so I had been going to conventions for quite a number of years before that and always looked at cosplays and thought it looked like heaps of fun. And then started with a store-bought costume and now it has evolved into this giant, very expensive hobby. <laughs> Just like comic books. Yeah. <laughs> so two very expensive hobbies, um, which take up all my time. Uh, and cause a lot of stress, but uh, very fun at the end of the day. So I just recently did Spider Woman at Free Comic Book Day. Yep, I had the if pleasure of seeing that when I was uh, around there. You at Kings saw me. Yes. Yeah, it was amazing. The, the what you would have seen uh, in uh, the I'm trying to remember all the creators: Dennis Hopeless, Javier Rodriguez, and Veronica yes. Fish. Yes, um, series that finished up about two and a half years ago. Yes. It's a great series. Great series. And an incredible um, take on the Spider-Woman costume as yes. well. Yes. So uh, a redone Spider-Woman costume where she's in much more practical <laughs> clothing, but um, still very much in keeping with the spirit of her original design. Which Definitely. Is awesome. Yeah. Um, I've also done Ray, which is from Star Wars. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. I was like trying <laughs> to work out like, like Ray who? <laughs> uh, she's in comics as well now. That's true. Yeah. Um, who else have I done? Electra. Electra. I like Marvel. Yeah, apparently, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> clearly, um, also women with uh, brown hair because that's what I have. So. Yeah, who are the famous? I mean, I guess Lois Lane. You could be a reporter I could. if you cut your hair short. Yeah, she, does she just? Is it canonically short hair? I guess so. It is. Yeah, <laughs> that's her. That's her. That's her costume. That's a bit of a <laughs> yeah. Just a haircut. Um, so yeah, Megan um, is uh, also. I mean, a common kind of complaint, I guess, mm-hmm. with like your stereotypical cosplayer, yes. is that they don't read comics, but yes. you, you you clearly do. I do read comics, and um, we have uh, same similar but not identical, much like myself mm-hmm. and Siobhan's tastes in comics. So I thought it'd be fun to have you take Siobhan's yes. place this week. I appreciate you being here. Um, we are unfortunately not recording at Kings right now. We're in my very cold apartment. <laughs> it's okay. We're gonna warm Not it up. Cold. We're gonna warm it up with some spicy reviews, though, yes. because we begin every episode of uh, Serious Issues by delving into the realm of number ones. This segment is called First Things First, where we review all of the new series that started last week. And uh, if you listen to last week's show, I think there were three, <laughs> three number ones that came out last week. And uh, Siobhan there was are a lot more this week. Yeah, I, I invited you just to do this, pretty much, because <laughs> you know. We read way more than your average comic book buyer. I think you mm-hmm. had two or three comics that you would have picked up anyway this yes. week. Um, so we can talk about those later. Uh, but first, you you have to get through all these number ones. There were, like, we're close to 20 this yeah. week. It's it's a lot. And everyone, like, even, like, even Valiant, of all people, gave us two number yeah. ones. So um, It was a massive binge read yesterday, trying um, to get through everything. Yeah, so I think we should, we should start by reviewing uh, DC's efforts this week. Um, and uh, we've been making fun of it for a long while now. Uh, but Bendis has left Marvel, and seven days after his final comic uh, pu- published by Marvel came out, we have his first comic published by DC. Ryan Michael Bendis is now the writer of Superman, and before he delves into Superman and action comics, he's putting out this weekly six-issue miniseries called The Man of Steel, um, and this uh, first issue uh, featured art by... Uh, kind of like the kind of most classic current modern DC house uh, style artist, um, Ivan Ray- Reese. Um, and also we had inks from other people. Um, we have uh, inks, inks by Joe Prado and uh, art by Jay Fabok and um, colors by Alex Sinclair. So a, uh, a pretty classic kind of DC looking book. Um, but I guess going into this, I kind of was like, okay, Bennis is really going to show everybody what he thinks of the DC universe and really like, I thought he was going to come out guns blazing. We're going to see this crazy new take on Superman, but um, it's actually business as usual, which it's a pretty classic Superman story. Yeah. Which is um, not what I was expecting at all. Um, Right down to the, I I was expecting, and there are, there are moments of glimmers of, of, of Mm -hmm. Bendis-ness. Like there are 
tropey Bender stuff that I, I do really like. I do like when he, you know, latches onto smaller heroes and has them always talking, like, you know, quipping in the background yes. and, and kind of showing up in the story unexpectedly all the time. Um, and it looks like he's got the, the two kind of B, or sorry, like, like E-tier characters that he's using <laughs> uh, in this one are Killer Moth and Firefly. And they kind of have my, my favorite moments in that is, yeah, that they're in Metropolis for some reason and Superman... Uh, you know, he's super confused about why they're yeah. in trouble. And then fly like you know, like p- punches them out of a wall while, while holding them, uh, flying through the sky to the nearest uh, police station. Um, and they make a joke about you know Batman dropping them because that's what he does. Uh, yeah, there's there's been like a a a, a big spate of arson um, in uh, in Metropolis, and then the the new um, fire chief, fire chief Melody Moore um, is. Uh, is kind of trying to figure out who who is behind all the arson, and Superman is not only going to uh, help her, but also potentially this is a new lo- is this is this going to be like Superman cheats on so. Lois Lane the story like she the, the has miniseries like a lot of pages to not be. Well, what's funny future. though is that he was also <laughs> being flirted with Superman mm. was being flirted with by a new a girl who mm. just started working at the Daily Planet in the DC Nation one shot that came out just before Free Comic Book Day, so maybe this is like. Some Superman's new thing. Superman's new thing is just hitting, <laughs> getting hit on by by new new staff members at uh in at Metropolis Industries. Um, there is a really really generic kind of angry bad villain guy. B- bad guy who looks like he's come straight out of like eighties comics. Um, uh, to uh, to fuck shit up, it's I guess. Kind of a mash of all your generic bad guy traits he, he wants to destroy krypton and as superman is the only living remnant of krypton that means he's got to destroy superman and his family i guess um it the most bendacy thing that happens in this issue is that it <laughs> ends on a, cl- a completely unexplained cliffhanger yeah <laughs> well, you're just like what uh but this I is a this is a weekly a weekly series so you mm-hmm. can kind of do that when it's a weekly series yeah. you haven't got to you know people aren't waiting very long for this um this was not bad by any means in my opinion it was no, just i enjoyed it yeah for someone who doesn't frequently read DC but has read a lot of Bendis because I read more Marvel. Um, so, no, this was pleasantly surprising, I thought. Yeah. I, look, I, 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 what I was most looking forward to with Bendis taking over Superman was way more stuff at the Daily Planet. Mm. Um, him making uh, Jimmy a more, um, a more prominent character again. Uh, but uh, I guess we'll have to wait for that. Obviously, he's not going to come out guns blazing and be no. like, okay, Man of Steel, it's Jimmy time, everybody. <laughs> Um, but hopefully we get that soon. I think he, he he does really well when he when he, you know, takes on like a, a business within yeah, a comic book a series larger. and yeah, and has them kind of interact with the hero a lot. Um, so yeah, look, I'll, I'll I'll continue following this series. Will you, Megan? This is uh, the big question. Yes, now because I want to know what happens after this weird cliffhanger. You want to know if he and smooches the unsa- fire chief? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I want to know. Um, look, red haired eye, you mm. could potentially cosplay as the new hot fire chief. Yeah. Or just, you know, Superman. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like a firefighter outfit would be really uncomfortable. More just so. Just like th- my main consideration. <laughs> <laughs> anytime I cosplay. What about um, mullet Superman? That's that's a brunette. He had, he had like... I could. You could do mullet Maybe. Superman. Could right. add it to the list. Let us know. Facebook.com slash group slash serious too. issues. Which uh, long-haired brunette uh, DC characters... <laughs> Megan could cosplay us. Um, so now we're going to go to a new segment within a segment, and this is what I call the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. 
appropriate. Uh, because this week, DC unleashed on us four of the uh, ongoing crossovers that they do with the Hanna-Barbera line. Uh, these come out just because Warner Brothers owns both DC and Hanna-Barbera, and they may as well do something with these characters. So why not incredibly dark, heavy-handed takes on these right? characters that were apparently beloved by someone at some point? We have four yeah. of these this week. We've got Super Sons and, Dyn- and Dynamut and the Blue Falcon, Aquaman and Jabberjaw, Black Lightning, Lightning and Hong Kong Fooey, and Flash and Speed Buggy. Um, and, uh, as you can tell from that, that's a uh, uh, mostly pretty well-known uh, DC characters teaming up with, like, they've kind of, you know, they've done Flintstones, they've done yeah. Jetsons. Like, when we have we're kind of scraping the bottom yeah. of the barrel now. Um, of course, this is the same initiative that gave us the really great Mark Russell uh, Flintstone series um, and also the strangely still being released today, Scooby Apocalypse. Um, people like it, apparently. Uh, so, yeah, let's. Uh, do you want to take your pick? Which one of these do you want to talk about first? Um, they're all so bad. Every single <laughs> one of them ended with me saying, what the fuck? They're all really depressing and I, not They're fun so grim. It's, at all. Let's start with the Flash and Speed Buggy. Um, just because I read this one the first. This is written by Scott Lobdell with pencils by Brett Booth. Brett, Brett Booth. Uh, inks by Norm Rapmuno. That's a D. Rapmund. That was an O. Uh, and uh, Mark Irwin and Mark Deering and Mac, Mark Banning, Matt Banning and John Livesay. Colors by Andrew Dollhouse and Pete Pantasis. Um, and uh, this is a massive creative team. There's a lot of people. For a comic book that just looks like it was torn out of the 90s and... Uh, Actually, yeah. no, it looks. It look, this is for Brett, if you're a Brett Booth fan, his art's never really looked this good. He's, I'm not a big Brett Booth pencils fan, but they look pretty great in, yeah. in, for, for this style of. Comic. It looks very nice. So, the- Speed Buggy, I, I vaguely remember. I have zero recollection. So he was of like, who or what Speed Buggy? Is. This like a, he was like kind of like Herbie, I guess. Okay. Um, like, like a talking car. Okay. Um, and he just kind of got into adventures on the beach a lot. Um. But in this, this is kind of like an origin story for Speed Buggy that teams him up with Wally West as the Flash. Um, and uh, I think, yeah, Lobdell writes Teen Titans, I think, maybe. Um, Brett Booth certainly does the uh, the art on that book anyway, or did. Um, but uh, so while, like, you know, zooming through the, the Speed Force, um, Wally West encounters uh, another guy wearing a speed suit. Um, his name is Dr. M. Blank. And he takes him back to uh, his lab and um, introduces him to his family. And then they want to do some experiments in the Speed Force with his with his new car. Because he, he uses yep. a, a car to traverse the Speed Force. Um, is it called the Speed Force? Yes. Yeah, it is cool. Um, no, well, he says it's a really bad idea to go like just racing through the Speed Force. But we're doing it anyway. Yeah. Um, and so reasons. something happens. Uh, shit goes wrong. And... Um, the Dr. M. Blank's mind is merged with his car. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> I don't think we As ever, you do. I, like, I don't think in the, in the three episodes of Speed Buggy that I that encountered on my, on my grandparents' couch um, all those years ago, uh, there was ever an explanation as to why a car could talk. Mm. But then, know. then we encounter like reverse Flash who has reverse flash speed like two speed buggies that are like the reverse yeah. speed buggies like so we have three sentinel speed buggies <laughs> just three too many um you may now recognize my new allies says reverse flash uh he says speed demon buggy and reverse speed buggy is that even reverse flash i don't even know who the fuck that is <laughs> doc savitar i don't think it's reverse flash okay whatever it's <laughs> another guy it's another guy 
All the speed-based villains are stupid. Like <laughs> I, I like Flash having like his his villains is a guy yeah. that can control the weather. Yeah, I don't think like having the, them both have the same power set is interesting. Whatever. Um, this was well. Everything kind of just gets reversed when he runs back. You saw I didn't finish this one. <laughs> I, <laughs> okay. I Spoiler out. alert. <laughs> I tapped out. Uh, I was just like, I, I couldn't. That w- it seeing- kind of just defeats him by the speed buggy like racing back in time far enough to not have the future where there's all these other multiple speed buggies exist. So I think my problem with this is that like, what happened. like I can handle a, a, a book with three talking cars, sure, hmm. but not one that takes itself as seriously as this book yeah. did. And almost all of these, actually no, all, of the, all four of these issues take themselves so seriously. Way too seriously. There's like no levity or wit yeah. to any of like the foolishness that's going on. Really, really strange. Um, so yeah, this was, uh, this is the only one of them that I didn't actually see out to the end. Um, just three, three very serious talking cars racing again. Right. So, so it's yeah. all going to happen again. Yeah. Flash is going to get merged with like a helicopter. I guess. Cool. Uh, so that was uh, the Flash and Speed Buggy number one. Uh, and luckily, it's only one of one, so we won't have to encounter that again. Um, next, we've got Black Knight Lightning and Hong Kong Fui. Hong Kong Fui, a dog that knows karate. <laughs> Yes. Black Knight Lightning, uh, currently seeing somewhat of a renaissance because he's uh, one of the latest uh, to get a CW superhero show, which is being pretty well received, I think. Yes, I have not seen any of it. But uh, he but is quite popular. He is a uh, a black superhero who has like like lightning powers, I assume, right? I I'm, guess I'm not that familiar <laughs> with that character. Um, I've even, even though Someone I swear, correct if, us if that is no, no, right. no one correct us. It's fine. <laughs> only can correct only correct us about the Karate Dog. Thank you very much. Um, <coughs> So, uh, yeah, this has been written by uh, a pretty cool team. Um, we have a uh, writer of uh, Brian Hill, um, who is soon to take over Detective Comics. Uh, we've got pencils on this one by Dennis Cowan, inks by Bill Senkevich, uh, colors by Jeremy Cox. Um, and what I thought was interesting about this at first is because you quickly realized that this is being done as a kind of uh, take on Power Man and Iron Fist. Yes. The, uh, the Marvel duo. Um, that were quite big in the 70s um, of uh, Luke Cage and Danny Rand, a.k.a. Iron Fist. Um, something that we've seen done incredibly seriously on uh, on the Netflix series yes. recently, which I wasn't a fan of at all. But um, I tapped out of that. I loved um, David F. Walker's um, run on through Marvel, mm-hmm. which ended some at some point through last year of Power Man and Iron Fist. Um, and that was a perfect example of a comic that, like, there was the serious stuff in there, like the seriousness came out through the relationship between Danny and Luke and some of the issues they were tackling, but it was done lighthearted. It never felt like a really heavy read. And that's what this kind of like pulpy kind of 70s throwback kind of book should be. This had flashes of what I thought could have been a really, really cool book. Basically, um, Hong Kong Fui comes to Black Lightning's aid or, or the other way around uh, so they can stop a magician from accessing some dark power, to, power called the God Fist. Um, and it does read and look pretty much this, like this a seventies yeah. kind of comic. Um, so in in that regard, I think it was done pretty well. Um, but yeah, it, it was a bit a bit more serious than I would have liked, and it's kind of resolved quite rapidly and it ends. Yeah, very suddenly. Very suddenly. Um, but like, uh, there's a lot happening in a very short space of time. Yeah, I mean, look, famously, like uh, until like David F. Walker, I'm I'm, I'm 
could be forgetting yeah. a writer or two, but uh, Luke Cage and 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 well, sorry, Power Man and Iron Fist was a black exploitation comic written by white people. Mm. So I could see why um, a, a writer of color would be kind of reluctant to kind of be, yeah, you know, writing on those tropes. Um, but um, look, I, I think of of the four of these books, I think this is my favorite. This is my favorite. Yeah. Um, this is my favorite looking of the four as well. Yeah, Dennis Cowan really and nice. Bill Sankovich are two of the best. They recent they've been mm-hmm. they've done recent issues of Deathstroke that it would be quite good to read that run. That's a good DC book. I did not. That's a good one. But I might pick it up now. Um, but uh, yeah, um, yeah, this was this was cool. I, I think I would like to see them uh, potentially. I, I I think there is this is actually like a of, of all of them, this was the only pairing of the two characters that made sense. Yeah, like I would read more of this if yep. there was more of it. Is this a one-of-one? Yes, they're all one-of-ones. Yeah. Um, The backup of this one was a uh, Jeff Parker-written book with uh, art by Scott Collins. In fact, they did two backups in these uh, these one-shots. The Funky Phantom, who I'm not familiar with at all. I don't know who the fuck that is. I don't know. It was fine. Yeah, yeah, it was fine. Kind of like an anti-gun. It was a bit heavy-handed. Comic. But at least it was like satirical. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Next, we've got Aquaman and Jabba Jaw. Jabba Jaw is the uh, loudmouth talking shark who could play drums and I think was a wacky racer. He was certainly in the Laugh Olympics. I have zero, no recollection. <laughs> he, he, I think he went, he, he did the whoop, 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 whoop. Oh, okay. And he may have also said, nyuk, nyuk, nyuk. <laughs> Aquaman, of course, the, uh, the king of Atlantis. Um, he is uh, on somewhere in America and talking with a cop. Having breakfast, and a giant shark floats by. And the giant shark, giant shark can talk, um, in which is not that remarkable for Aquaman because no. he can talk with fish anyway. But boy, this this talk, this shark doesn't shut up, Megan. Um, this is the closest thing to humor in any of these uh, issues. Yeah. <laughs> um, and except, like where Jabberjaw is, like usually this like extremely cartoonish, fun-looking shark with a big grin on his face. Uh, here he's just like 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 an extremely realistic looking shark, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who can live out of the water and go shopping in a shopping center? <laughs> I don't. Know, I felt. And like- I yeah, I have no concept of how big he's actually supposed to be because <laughs> he's like bigger than the building in some shorts, and then <laughs> like a normal sized shark in other sides. Anyway, that's not uh, the only problem with the so comic. He, he's from. It, it's in, uh, it's uncovered that he's from the year twenty seventy six, and a portal is por- uh, brought him back to our time. Um, and Aquaman and Jabba Jaw team up to send him back. And when they go back to uh, C-Lab 2020, which was a cool little throwback mm-hmm. to another Hanna-Barbera show, which is more famous to our generation because of the Adult Swim um, C-Lab oh, 2021. You ever see that? No. It's a good show. It's like they, 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 used, so they used all of the uh, animation cells to create like a comedy show. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. And, and, it, and a big part of that is why I can't take a lot of uh, Hanna-Barbera stuff seriously is yeah. because I've seen... I'm most familiar with the with some of these characters because they showed up as like jury members during a Harvey Birdman <laughs> episode. Um, I don't think this issue of Aquaman and Jabba Jaw was particularly bad. It was just like a, a, a huge case of it was fine. Who was this for? Yeah, which is my question about like all four of these comics. Really, <laughs> it's an ongoing question whenever we talk about these books, yeah. and I think I need to accept that they're not for me, and I should stop reading them. But part of me is so like inherently I- curious. As to how these characters... Yeah. Like, it is that weird, like, you know, Flintstones meets the Jetsons. Again, yeah. one of the first ever crossovers I ever saw was a Hanna-Barbera-related thing. Um, you know, it's like, how? why are they together? What yeah. are they going to do together? How are those characters going to interact? And uh, I, I 
as much as I like hate reading them while I'm reading them, I still don't think I could ever properly pass like them. Up. Cur- yeah, curiosity. Yeah. Uh, just because I want, you know, the Flintstones by Mark Russell and Steve so was just like like that was probably my favorite ca- favorite yeah. comic the year it came mm-hmm. out, and uh, yeah, um, I, I, I I look forward to the greatness of that returning. Uh, next week we get the final issue of uh, Mark Russell's Snagglepuss book, which has been awesome too. Um, the I got to give a fun shout out to the Cap- Captain Caveman mm-hmm. comic at the end, the back of this again written by Jeff Parker with art by Scott Collins. Um, Story wise, not it. very good, yeah, but art by Scott Collins, yeah. so good, yeah. It's like uh, it involves like the wizard Shazam and the Spectre, kind of looking through time to find a new hero, and they ma- and they bring Captain Caveman to to modern day. Do you remember Captain Caveman? I did not. He was like a. I can't remember. He started out as a. I feel like he, I know. I didn't watch too much stuff as a child. He was like <laughs> a, he was a television show that the Flintstones watched. Oh, okay. And he yelled like Captain Caveman. Oh yeah, I know now. And his friend was called Unga Bunga. Yes. Uh, I know what you mean now. <laughs> um, final one was Super Sons and Dino Mutt, which I guess I was most interested in, in because it was written by Peter Tomasi, who mm. actually writes Super Sons. Oh, shit. Did I even say who wrote the Aquaman Jabberjaw one, written by Dan Abnett, um, with uh, art Some by Paul Pelletier? Um, good art, actually, beside, aside from the way it too realistic really nice. shark. Yeah. Um, inks by Andrew Hennessy, colors by Rain Barreto. But enough about Aquaman Jabberjaw. We're talking about Super Sons and Dino Mutt and the Blue Falcon. Again, written by Peter Tomasi. This one had art by uh, Fernando Passerin, um, inks by Claire Albert, and uh, colors by Gabe Eltabe. Um, and this opened in a... Um, well, the, the prelude was kind of like the origin of Dino Mutt, who, for all intents and purposes, is a robot dog. Yes. <laughs> um, and a then- concept that I love. Yes, um, and then we cut to a funeral of just like some random old guy that uh, that Superman, yeah. Lois Lane, and and John Kent, Superboy, are attending, and uh, an incredibly eighty year old <laughs> John Kent. Yes. He just looks like a little weird, like small person yeah. that has an old man face. Yeah, um, is very uncomfortable at the thought of death, um, especially when there is a corpse in the room with him. An open corpse um, at the wake. Yeah. Which is weird. And then he sneaks outside and sure enough, Robin has, uh, has tracked him there and they uh, escape the, the, the wake to help a help Dino-Mutt. Yeah. So basically Dino-Mutt is like all of his like, it's a, it's a really gross looking robot dog. Yeah. All these like cybernetics it's kind pretty, of like, leak out of him. Body like, horror. Yeah. Some Stuff. It doesn't. Yeah, like, it, like you don't, you don't go. Oh wow, having a robot dog would be cool. Like looking at this, like he's just forever leaking purple blood oil. and oil and 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 nuts and bolts and like his paws are being ripped off. Um and wise uh, guy. <laughs> yeah. So so Dynamite was created by his owner, who was a rich guy who becomes a superhero, Blue Falcon. Um, he basically makes it so his dog can never die. Um, uh, except in this one, the Red Vulture, who is uh, Blue Falcon's nemesis, uh, mind controls Blue Falcon into stealing Dino Mutt so he can become... Like the, the Dino Mutt's parts can be taken on by a dying Red Vulture or some shit. Yes. Um, Red Vulture's over his ugly vulture body. Yep. Because um, so every, everyone knows dogs are better than vultures. <laughs> yes. No one wants to pat a vulture. Um, what's interesting about this is that they kind of retcon, just for the sake of this one mm-hmm. shot, that... Um, that Blue Falcon was part of Batman Inc., which was the Grant Morrison created Batman mm-hmm. International Corporation of Crime Fighters. Um, 
uh, in his very great series, Batman Inc. Did you read it? Have you read that? That's good shit. Okay. That's good shit. I'll add it to the ever-growing reading list. Um, but uh, and I, th- I think that was you know just a cute, cute little fan servicey mm. thing to add yeah. in. Um, but this got really heavy, got really, really fast. Considering we started at a funeral. Yeah. Like, it, it got, got really yeah, dark. Yeah, considering we had like yeah, like the, like the fourth page is just of a dead old man's yeah. head. <laughs> um, this got really, really, really dark, and uh, the ending was like. Even though this is like, you know, as a comic book, probably more structurally sound than some of the others mm. out of these four. I, there were just moments and I was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> yeah. Like, I so, feel like these a lot of these comics only exist so 10 years from now. BuzzFeed can do like a, oh, 10 things you won't believe happened in DC Comics 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. DC Comics. Um, yeah. So, we end on the robot dog. Digging up That's right. the grave, the grave of Blue, of who, Blue Falcon, who, who, who was destroyed, who was killed, and then <laughs> using the same technology that created Robot Dog to bring Blue to, Falcon to, and, back to life. And the final, he really, he's not really alive. Is he? well, I don't know. The, 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 the final panel is of the newly reawakened Blue Falcon, either winking or grimacing because he can't use his body <laughs> properly anymore, saying, "Dino, good boy." The end. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Super horrific. Yeah. So, like, extremely heavy-handed adult takes on these, uh, you know, once cringingly goofy uh, family cartoon yeah. characters. So, again, I, I don't know who this is for. No. It's <laughs> like, really, really strange. Uh, yeah, it, it is. You could not give this to a child. And it smacks of what I didn't like about the DC News 52, which was just making everything so unnecessarily dark. Yeah. And Peter Tomasi was one of the few writers, you know, on his mm-hmm. Batman and Robin run, which is awesome. Um, and then, you know, again, you know, the start of his uh, Superman Rebirth run, who, you know, he didn't stoop to that same darkness for darkness yeah. sake, but here it is in spades. Uh, on on the, you know, and that was my problem with the Super Sons book as well, which he created mm-hmm. and wrote, is was that it was like, you know, these two... Two fun kid superheroes yeah. that had an amazing dynamic just going up against regular supervillain threats that their parents or, you know, other adult contemporary superheroes would when they could when they should be like, you know, breaking up fights at school and yeah. yeah. Tripping over the penguin Playing and stuff like with that. The robot dog? Pranks. Yeah. Doing YouTube pranks. Yeah. Um, that. Streaming Fortnite. <laughs> I'd watch that. Um, so now we talk about Marvel. Um, and we have four books from Marvel. Uh, and uh, I got to tell you, I was almost like as much of a struggle to start reading some of these as well as I was the uh, yeah. the DC Hanna-Barbera joints. Um, the first one that we can talk about is uh, Lando, Double or Nothing, um, the latest Star Wars comic that uh, is uh, is being is tying into uh, to Solo, a Star Wars story, which is in cinemas now featuring uh, Donald Glover as uh, Lando Calrissian. The best um, part of the movie. Uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't. You didn't love him. I, 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 I was expecting to love him a lot more than I oh, did. Yeah. I'll give you that much. Um, but uh, here he is, uh, on the cover, and kind of like all winking at you that he's childish Gambino in every panel yes. that he's in. <laughs> like you could, he, he, he's yeah. He straight up is just saying this is America. In About every to break yeah. out into song and dance. Um, but this is moment. written by Rodney Barnes, who I think was a. 
sometime co-writer with Nick Spencer on the Sam Falcon, the Sam uh, Wilson Sam Falcon, Wilson. yes, stuff. And he's writing the Falcon comic too, all right. Yes. So yeah, um, and uh, art by Paolo Vianelli, uh, which I really enjoyed. I thought the art was, even though it was like hilarious, like yeah, we get it. You know who that Donald weird, Glover yeah, is, like but photorealistic. I, but it wasn't photorealistic. It was just it was an extraordinarily good cartoon yeah. version of Donald Glover, as opposed to a good one of of Lando. Um, and colors by Andre Mosser. Um, one of my still my favorite Marvel Star Wars comic to date since they took over the license is the five issue Lando Lando series by um, Charles Soule and Alex Maleev, which I highly recommend. To everyone it was set like just before Empire Strikes Back, I guess, and features him and Lobot, and it was a great great character study and just a fun kind of like heisty book too. Um, this is kind of. Like it's, it's fun. It's fun and it's fine. Yeah. It's unnecessary. Yeah. But if you are clamoring for more of uh of Lando, this uh this delivers it. Um it also cool. features um L three three seven, um which you know is uh Who I liked a lot more in comic form than I did. Oh cool. So yeah, yeah. I, I didn't like that character either. Yeah, in the movie I felt like the writing was just so heavy. Yeah, cool. I, that's what I was saying too. <laughs> and I really wanted to like like the female droid, but um yeah, in the movie, I just could not gel with her. Right up until, like, right before... She, okay. No, are, are we in spoiler territory? No, no, you cannot. No, you cannot. okay. <laughs> people will get very upset. We'll because I don't know if you, I don't know if you, if you pay attention to box office takings, but not many people have seen so that you, movie, yeah. so it's very, very, very possible that people have not seen it. I'm going to spoil it for him. But yeah, yeah. the character... The, there are some funny moments, but I thought... Like Angus, who I do Hey Fam with, hmm. when we reviewed the movie, I was like, it was weird. I, I, like, every time she said one of her lines, nobody laughed. Yeah. And, and Angus was like... That wasn't meant to be funny. I'm like, it was totally written yeah, to be funny. It was meant to be funny. Like, how hilarious. A female droid trying to, uh, you like, know, start break a, out the, yeah, yeah. Start a droid revolution. <laughs> um, whatever. She she is kind of almost like the kind of uh, straight man to yeah, Lando's. I liked Lan- her a lot better in this one. Lando's very flamboyant in this, whereas he was quite understated in the movie. Yeah. Um, um, I can't even tell you what happened in the plot because it's not really important. <laughs> No, right? it's just a frivolous nothing story, which is not necessarily a bad thing if you just wanted something lighthearted to read and you really liked Lando in the film. Yeah, but- th- this does have Lando having to act like a hero, hmm. which is not something he really got a chance to do in, in the solo thing, which I thought was actually cool. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, look, it was, a, it was a really great looking Star Wars book. And it, yeah, it, it is there's fun some seeing- really great space. It is panels. fun seeing and... um, the Millennium Falcon fly around before Han fucked it up. Yes. Um, the the, the escape the pod has not yet be jettisoned. Yeah. Um, yeah, so L- Lando, double or nothing. Uh, read it if you loved Solo and uh, if you love Lando. Uh, you won't be disappointed, but, you know, you don't need to read this. Don't go running out to... Um, we move on to Infinity Countdown. We get another spin-off of the uh, current cosmic event, which is uh, being written by Jerry Duggan. I'm enjoying it quite immensely, but we're in spin-off territory at the moment, which means we get a bunch of things tying into it that are not quite as good as uh, as the main event. Uh, this is Infinity Countdown, Captain Marvel, number one, written by Jim McCann and art by Diego Olatagui, colors by Eric Arkiniega. Um I've not heard of any of those creators, but let's not hold it out against them. Um, they've never heard of me either. Uh, this they could be listening. <laughs> um, this was this basically shows um, uh, early on in the Infinity. Uh, go, um, uh, sorry, what's it called? Infinity Countdown event. Um, a newly returned Wolverine left um, the the Time Stone. No, the Reality, reality Stone. stone. 
um, left the reality stone in the in the hands of Captain Marvel. And so this is kind of showing what she is doing with the reality stone. And this is a cool thing that I didn't know the reality stone could do. I mean, in mm. Infinity War, the movie, um, it's used to turn Drake into a slink. Sorry, not yes. Drake. Dra- Drax. Drax. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be great. Drax into a slinky um, and uh, Peter Quill's uh, gun into a bubble gun. Um, but in uh, this comic, Captain Marvel is able to communicate with everyone else in across all the universes. Who um, also have the reality stone. And they happen to all pretty much all be different versions of Captain Marvel. Um, Which but, is fun. I really liked that. Yeah, me too. Um, but then the reality stone also shows, like, it's able to transport you or an astral kind yeah, of I'm form of yourself. Yeah, all the powers of what the reality stone can do. Basically... But you can put yourself into the other universes. Yeah, and uh, and so we so you're see... you're not fully participating, but you're kind of seeing what's going on. It's almost like a... Um, what's the... Like a... The, the ghosts of Christmas past. Yes. Kind of, uh, what's, it, what's it called? Christmas Carol. Yeah. Um, Christmas Carol story where, hey, Christmas Carol Danvers. Someone someone, yeah. someone trademark that. That would be great. Also, I'm going to call the episode. Start a Twitter account. I'm also going to start to call this episode Christmas Carol Danvers. That's, that's, that's great shit. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, she, for whatever reason, the reality stone kind of shows her different things that she's done throughout time, also shows her different versions of herself. Um, slowly driving herself crazy. Yeah. Looking at all the times things didn't go quite right. But it shows her like the three most important things in her life. And um, for a character that is, I guess, beloved by many hmm. um, and uh, has had many, many comics about her, I thought it was really interesting that two of the three things didn't even happen in her own comic. So yeah. we, we have one of them is when she's punching Tony Stark and we see a di- in Civil War two, and we see a different version of how that could have played out, where she dies, um, and then we see the one thing I've never heard of. Oh no, no, then we have her like um, at the original Captain Marvel's deathbed, except it's reversed, so she's the one dying of cancer, not him. And then there's another one that, that I think may relate to Kelly, Kelly Sudaconic's Carol Core kind of run. Have you read that? No, and it's oh, <laughs> one of my big shames that I've had. I know. Yet. I feel bad about that. Um, but look, as a one shot, this is fine. Uh, again, just like the Lando comic, pretty unnecessary. But if you're a fan of Captain Marvel, enjoyable. I mean, it goes kind of says a lot about the way Captain Marvel comics have been in the last year. Mm. That this is probably the best Captain Marvel comic yeah. I've read in a year, and uh, it was un- unnecessary. But uh, look, Blastar is in it. He's a fun cosmic character that I love seeing getting pummeled by superheroes. <laughs> so check it out for that. And also, it's you know fun multiverse, different versions of characters, which is always fun. Now we move on to uh, an annual. We got X Men Red Annual, uh, which itself has only had four issues, <laughs> but whatever. We're getting an annual uh, written by Tom Taylor, um, featuring uh, a new artist uh, on this book um, called uh, Pascal Alix, um, with colors by Chris Sotomayor. Um, and uh, Pascal's art is very much like the uh, kind of painted style of artwork um not quite as epic looking as i um, did not like it's, it's just not my favorite kind of yeah art. it's not my style um he's uh who's the alex ross i guess is yeah. like you know like the pinnacle of what this kind of art can look like but there's a lot of awkward it, there's some there's some creativity across panels in this but a lot of awkward ways of incorporating it. Like at one point you see old man Logan just having... They're his, just kind of floating there with like no his, legs. <laughs> his stump just... This, yeah, very strange. Um, this is not really an X-Men Red book. It's more just a Jean Grey returning to mm-hmm. the Marvel Universe book um, and uh, I guess tying up a lot of loose ends. X-Men Red number one kind of threw us 
like you know like, like she'd already returned and, mm. and, and made her peace with the world as the way it was and then she starts a team this shows her kind of making peace with the way things are uh, and um, yeah it was pretty good it's good Tom uh, Taylor's great like I, I love yeah there are a lot stuff. of interactions in this like yeah. you know she goes to um, visit Black Bolt mm. because Black Bolt was responsible for killing uh, she refers to him as her husband uh, Scott um, Summers, aka Cyclops, but he was certainly not her husband when he died. No, um, but uh, you know, I, I enjoyed. I think any other writer would have done it, and I would have been like, Ugh. yeah. But I, I think it this gets was elevated by yeah by Tom's writing. Of course, the highlight of this book, like most Tom Taylor books, is uh, any scene with Gabby in it. Yeah, I just think she's such a great character, um, and this sets up some interesting things for the character of Rachel Gray, which is something I've never said about the character of Rachel Gray before. Yeah. <laughs> so um, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how she's used in X-Men Red in the future um, I would definitely say this book is essential for if you are reading the X-Men Red run yes um, so you know while you may not love the art that much um, the story You'll beats yeah the story beats I think the story are quite important out yeah. <coughs> and it's good Jean Grey stuff too yes uh, final Marvel book uh, is one that uh, unfortunately you didn't get to read I look I I like reading all ages books yeah I know these books are not for me um, but I do like seeing you know, as, as 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 someone with kids, but also as someone that just never really grew up, mm. I like uh, hence a comic book podcast. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, I like seeing what what a kids comic looks like, and you know how it reads. And I think, you know, I read so many comics that I'm pretty aware of what how I want a first issue to introduce mm. things. And I think you like, even though they rarely get the the uh, accolades they deserve. All ages comics, particularly ones like based off of franchises that already have comics, yeah, um, do some pretty amazing work when it comes to introducing a situation, featuring different characters as quickly as possible, without making it feel like you've just read a wall of text or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so we have Marvel Superhero Adventures number one, which I swear I've reviewed a comic <laughs> called that, like in the last couple of months, probably, <coughs> featuring um, Spider Man like and Black Panther. But whatever. Uh, here we are with um, the Spider Doctor which is uh, Doctor Strange and Spider-Man, a little team-up um, against Hela. Oh, cool. Um, and uh, it's been written by Jim McCann with art by Dario Brizula, Brizella. Um, and, uh, man, his art is so good. Um, like, it is, like, quite chibi kind of versions yeah. of, uh, so of all the characters. But <clears throat> it's just it's great cartooning. Um, and even though the story is, like, you know, real kind of, like, Spidey for dummies, I am a dummy and I, I laughed this up. This was great. So basically, uh, the, the, the way this, this, this isn't even like, uh, you know, we, we don't open on, uh, on Spider-Man and Dr. Strange teaming up. No, the, the whole thing is uh, bookended by um, uh, Spider-Man apprehending a jewel thief um, who says, I'm, not, I'm a fashion designer, not a thief. I just <laughs> needed a few diamonds to impress a client. You know, you'd look impressive in a cape. And then Spider-Man says, not what I was expecting, but for your information, I have tried on a cape. <laughs> and then we are told a story in which he teams up with Doctor Strange against Hela. And um, while separated from his body in his astral form, um, Hela knocks Spider-Man's astral form into Doctor Strange's body and vice versa. And so the two of them have to teach themselves to use magic and spider powers That's to so beat fun. Hela. It was so I fun. It. it was so simple. And it's a perfect mm-hmm. example of a great all-ages yeah. uh, comic for someone that... You know, even even a 10, 12-year-old who's seen some of the movies, you know, Doctor Strange and and uh, Homecoming were two of the mm. kind of less heavy kind of Marvel, you know, I mean, yeah. I, I'm not recommending anyone under the age of 12 <laughs> go see Infinity War anytime soon, 
But uh, this is a great little thing for them to permanently scar your child. (laughs) Man, there was so many crying kids. Yeah, when I saw it, I was crying as an adult. (coughs) Yeah, but that's fine. You know, we're adults; we cry constantly. (laughs) (laughs) But like, like I feel like when you're a 10, 10 to twelve yeah. year old kid, you, you're like you you're you're fighting every urge to cry, yeah. and when, so when something actually makes you, you're like you know shit's fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, this was really cool. Spider Man Adventures, um, num- superhero adventures. Sorry, number one. Um, and I think the next one we're getting uh, is an Ant Man and um, and uh, what's her name? Um, Hawkeye. Hawkeye, aka Kate Bishop. Kate Bishop team up. The best with Spidey. Yeah, it looks really really great. Yeah, and like that looks super perfect cute. suited to the arc too. Um, it's called Webs and Arrows. Oh, so actually, yeah, right. So it's Superhero Adventures, The Spider Doctor, number one. <laughs> so they're cheating. It's, that means every. I mean, I get to review all it's these first things first. <laughs> like ten. Um, all these number ones. So uh, that's our Marvel and our DC reviews. We still have a good six so to eight comics, number ones to tell you about, and uh, let's go to Valiant now, the other superhero universe that isn't the big two. Um, we have uh, two from Valiant this week, and the first of which is the first issue of their big kind of event at the moment, which uh, I'll tell you about in one second. Harbinger, Harbinger Wars 2 um, is the name of this event, a sequel to a, um, a, a, a kind of coming together, a crossover that they did uh, a couple of years ago. This is written by um, Matt Kint with um, art by Thomas Giorello, again, doing the, the kind of very oil painterly kind of artwork, or sorry, water, watercolor. Yeah, but... I think this 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 style of work works for me more so than the um, X Men Red yeah. kind of painted style did too. Uh, colors by Diego Rodriguez on this one. Uh, so, for those of you not familiar with uh, ha- with uh, Harbinger and um, and Valiant Universe, um, Harbinger Harbinger is like uh, someone who like basically in in this in in the Valiant Universe there are Sciats and Sciats are essentially the mutants of. Uh, <coughs> Of, of the Valiant universe. They are people that a power awakens within them and they're being hunted by the government um, and uh, after someone is like running around activating all these sites, um, the government needs to work with some of the heavy hitters from within the Valiant universe, including Ninjak and um, Exo Manowar um, and uh, this is kind of setting up to be like an Avengers versus X-Men style event hmm. where it's the Sciats versus some of the bigger heroes working with the government in the Valiant Universe. Um, except Bloodshot has sided with the Sciats and Livewire. Have you read much Valiant stuff before, Megan? I have not, so I was a little worried I wouldn't understand, but I actually really enjoyed this. Yeah, well, I mean... I thought it was great. Matt Kint is one yeah. of my favourite writers, and uh, even though he's written books mm. within the Valiant universe that weren't my cup of tea per se, I thought this, and I wasn't looking forward to this because the mm. um, the prelude to it was. Did you read Secret Weapons last year? So Secret Weapons was a book about these like three young sciats who have to work together to avoid being killed by the government. But it was told in a really fun and quirky style, and uh, it was written um, by Eric Heisera, and he wrote the prelude to this. But then wasn't going to return for the rest of the series, and I was like, ah. But this was. Really, really well done. Really mm. great. A fun celebration of, I guess, what everyone loves about this world, all the characters coming together, which is always fun, <coughs> with this big threat. Yeah. And you weren't lost at all? I was not lost, yeah. <laughs> so I read the little, there's a little summary at the start yeah. explaining who all the characters Valiant are. Valiant are very good in that yeah, regard. Yeah, which I really appreciate it. I read it all and I was like, oh, I'm never going to remember who everyone is. But no, it was fine. It was very easy to understand. So if you're not familiar with this universe, but you'd like to get started would really recommend this yeah so yeah if, if uh 
if the Ninjak versus the Valiant universe uh, comic series didn't whet your appetite mm-hmm. for seeing the Valiant characters go up against each other, uh, this is exactly what we're going to get in this too. Um, and uh, it looks great, and uh, the story is really well done. So I'll be I'll be sticking around for this Harbinger Wars Wars two, in spite of not reading the first uh, Harbinger Wars. You know, both in the same boat. Some soldiers fought in World War Two without fighting in the first one. <laughs> Funny how that works. <laughs> Um, also from Valiant this week, we got Valiant High, number one. Now, this is a, uh, a physical edition of an, uh, a, uh, a digital-only series um, at first that um, was written by uh, Daniel Kibblesmith, who went on to write Quantum and Woody, um, and uh, another series that finished this week, um, Lockjaw. Uh, and art is by Derek Charm, who is one of my favorite cartoonists. Um, he's currently doing Squirrel Girl, now that Erica Henderson has left. Um, and he did uh, a great Jughead series um, and Art Samachi books uh, as well. Uh, he has an awesome, very simple but expressive cartooning style that's really well coloured in this issue. Um, it's super cute. We've got uh, like David Barron and Simon mm-hmm. Boland also working on this book. Um, and Valiant High basically reimagines all the heroes in the Valiant universe as high school students and has them in a classic, you know, tropey kind of high school. Mm. Uh, you know, you've got Exo Manowar and Talk, who are jocks. Um, and Bloodshot is like the, the gym teacher. Um, and uh, you have Archer and Armstrong who are like the two kind of like one of them is an overachiever and one of them is an underachiever. Um, uh, you've got Quantum, but his brother Woody hasn't showed up for class and he's got a cover for him all the time. And the whole thing is kind of told with using Livewire as the kind of protagonist, this awkward trying to fit in teenager. None of them are allowed to use their powers, um, but some of them are able to and can't let on to the school that they are able to. Um, and the, the big thing that happens is this, is, is the arrival of a, an exchange student who is either British or Japanese. And um, when asked which one is he, he just replies with, Incredibly yes. Incredibly well-dressed. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, Colin King, a.k.a. Ninjak. Yes. Um, what did you think of this one? I thought this was really cute. This, a lot of fun. This was so much fun. And I think a great introduction to... Mm. To Valiant, like even though like mm. Valiant books are nothing like this, yeah. it is a great way to kind of, you know, understand the core ideals of each of the characters and at least get familiar with what they look like and what their names are. If you need a fun little primer on who's who in the Valiant universe, uh, this is definitely the funnest way to uh, to to yeah. get on top of this. It was interesting going from Harbingers. <laughs> yes, to totally. This one after the other, um, as someone who hasn't read a lot of Valiant, but no, this was this was great. Um, and it's uh, it's been printed really well. Great quality mm. uh, printing with a great cover by great. David Lefuente. He's doing the covers for all of this. It's going to be a weekly comic book series. Um, and I, I would totally recommend this. This is a, a real a real treat to read this week. Yeah. It was lots of fun. Very easy to get into. <coughs> um, looks very nice. So siege was a word used in a couple of number ones this week. And one of them was called The Last Siege. But it's not The Last Siege that we're going to talk about in First Things First. It's The First Siege. Uh, the Last Siege is a book written by Landry Q. Walker with art by jo- Justin Greenwood, um, Eric Jones, and Patrick Brousseau. Um, and uh, this it came out through Image this week and was a medieval set book um, about someone from uh, the East coming to a uh, you know a European uh, castle. I guess um, the castle have just lost their king. Yeah, <coughs> and um, someone who is kind of next in line should he marry the king's daughter is taking the law into his own hands when a stranger shows up and uh, refuses to let everyone know who he is until he reveals a seal revealing that he is the next, actually the next in line to become the king of this land. Um, I did tell you the entirety of what happened <laughs> in this book, but I would recommend this uh, series incredibly anyway, highly because. Yes. 
I think it would do it would like I read a lot of number ones for the show mm. and so frequently, especially with like a medieval kind of setting or a fantasy setting. <coughs> although I was happy to see this is very grounded the whole way mm. through. Um there's just walls and walls of text as you have like a narrator explaining to you everything that's happened in this the land for the last history. 50 years. And then, you know, every character explains who they are and, you know, the upcoming solstice that they must prepare all these things for and why their weapon was forged at a certain, you know, it's just like, oh my God, <laughs> get to the story. And, you know, there's not even any dialogue in the first five pages of this, which I just, just I just applaud anyone who does that for their first yeah. issue. Like taking your time to to show your readers what's about to happen in the story and introduce your characters by having them look at the characters yeah. as opposed to telling them who the characters are and what they're about to do. And it's beautiful. It's really well drawn. <coughs> yeah, it was killer. Um, this is a real treat. I, the, I don't like the cover at all. And it wasn't really... The cover really... gives no indication as to what. The cover looks like a... Com- like like an, a completely different story. Like an IDW yeah. book about like Sons of Anarchy or yes. some shit. Like, uh, and instead you get this really great medieval story. Um that uh, you know we've been getting quite a few good ones mm. of lately. You're reading Sleepless, yes. yeah. Um, Sleepless is one of my favorite books from the last year. This doesn't actually. You know what? This this the, for a first issue. This 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 could be as good. Could be. Um, brilliant art from an artist I'm not familiar with mm. at all, and um, and uh, excellent potential for for future future stories based in this world. Highly recommended, everybody. This was great. Definitely. Also, there's an ad for the new world coming um, out next month, which is the new book with art by Tradmore, written by Al Scott. Very excited for that. That looks fun. He's one of the best artists yes. in the world. Um, so the other book with Siege in the title was another one that you unfortunately did not get to, around to reading. Um, Judge Dread Under Siege uh, is a, uh, a new IDW book uh, featuring the judge himself, um, written by um, the aforementioned Mark Russell, who uh, has written Flintstones and Snagglepuss um, in the past. Um, he's a novelist before that, wrote books about religion and things like that. Um, but uh, this is him. I guess you know we've we've seen little glimpses of him doing straighter superhero stuff in the recent Superman um, specials that came out in the last month. But this is him doing the most kind of like straight up comic that I've ever seen him do so far, <coughs> um, with art by Max Dunbar um, and colors by Jose Luis Rio. Um, and it's your classic Judge Dredd setup of uh, him going to rescue a judge and finding that. He's he's trapped in a building full of mutants who have taken over the building and killing everybody. Um, and uh, I think it was a really you know like a, a very very solid. But I missed the the Mark Russell flair. I thought there was going to be a bit more creativity uh, yeah. through the writing through the characters. I know like I mean Judge Dredd is an incredibly straight character. Mm. Um, you know he's he's not where you get your flair from in the. Um, in a Judge Dredd yeah, book, it's you know it's from all the car- characters, and the kind of most Mark Russell-y moment was when uh, they're kind of in this big facility which has like a uh, <clears throat> like a, a kind of help desk that's that's run by the Church of the Holy. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Question mark which is a non-denominal experience. <laughs> um, like a, essentially a robot asking how he may help you today. I, that was like, I was like, yeah, okay, that's, that's 100% yeah. Mark Russell. Um, I'm hoping okay. to see more of that side of things come out in this book because I think yeah. I'm a bit, a bit spoiled by the um, uh, Ulysses uh, Farinas and Eric Freitas IDW Judge mm-hmm. Dredd comics that we got over in the past year, which were just insanely creative and, 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 and funny um, and, and like just like zany, wild mm-hmm. ideas that, you know, you, you would... You would never so like you know like, like Judge Dredd totally comes from this like you know crazy British uh, creator yeah. kind of history, um, and I, I was really interested to see Mark, Mark Russell's take on the crazier side instead of just mutants. But hopefully we'll get it. It ends, ends on a, ends on a fun fun cliffhanger anyway. Okay, and I'll continue because Mark Russell has earned at least that much. Um, so uh, we've got two fun books to end on. Oh, you've got you've got one more. Wait, why don't you I tell me about, about a book I haven't read? I have. 2021 <coughs> Lost Children from Titan Comics, mm-hmm. who I'm not familiar with. So Titan Comics uh, do a lot of licensed stuff, but one thing that I love that they do um, is they have an imprint which is called uh, Statics Press, yeah. and that imprint um, allows them to release a whole bunch of European comics translated for the first time for a Western audience, yeah, yeah, and that's okay. exactly what this is. Oh, cool. Well, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, so this is from writer Stefan Bertoba. I'm probably pronouncing that incorrectly if someone European could correct me. Um, And drawn by Stefan Burvis with colour by Massimo Rocca. Um, So it's a really beautiful comic. Um, It is set in a futuristic USA where Detroit has seceded from the rest of the USA. Um, So they're operating as their own country, essentially. Yep. Under the rule of a mutant with some sort of telepathic powers um, who's keeping the entire population of Detroit in some sort of trance and withholding food and things like it's that. It actually ties into mm-hmm. to Judge Dredd in a way because it is like yeah. a European take on America. Yeah, cool. I, I really enjoy this. Um, so essentially what happens is the US government sends in this like mercenary group of child mutants mm-hmm. who have yeah, mutants. very cool powers, but each time they use their powers, they age a little. Oh, and that's such an awesome... As they age, their powers get weaker. So they have a, a, t- a very short time limit <laughs> on how they can use their powers. So they have to be very careful about how they're using them. Um, I thought this was really cool. It was really fun. Um, very interesting. Very well drawn. Um, very long, too. Very long. <laughs> there was a couple of moments where it felt like the story was sort of stagnating a little bit. So I felt like you probably could have tightened it up a little bit. Yeah, the um, only the only th- complaint I have for the, uh, yeah. the um, uh, Static Express stuff is that I think they just get graphic novels and then Translate split them up, split them up into, into singles. Yeah. Um, so they can be very... That makes a bit more sense. The pacing can be a little bit off. Pacing, yeah. It felt a little bit off, but it makes more sense now that you've explained what they do. Um, but the story was interesting enough for me to get past the, the parts that stagnated. Um, the only issue I really had with it is that it's printed 
really small. Like it should have been printed on a different size. Yeah. That is what I felt. And I have really terrible eyesight. (laughs) (laughs) It was actually like quite difficult to read the font for all the text is really tiny. Yeah, sometimes... Uh, books should not be formatted for the way Western yeah. uh, audiences can have their. Comments. It felt like it was drawn but, for different. Yeah, I'm sure. Size it, I'm certain it was. Yeah, um, but really cool. Very recommended. Awesome, cool. I, I, this, I unfortunately didn't get around to reading this because DC released four <laughs> Horsemen of the Apocalypse this week. <laughs> you missed out. Um, so uh, the next book was probably my favorite number one of the week, and it's called Blackwood. Um, it's been written by Evan Dorkin with Veronica Fish on art and her brother Andy Fish on layouts and lettering. Um, and this, uh, I guess you could compare this to Valiant High in yeah. that it was like a teenage school book featuring a lot of familiar riffs yes. within it, but done with, and actually the next book we're about to talk about too, um, hmm. it sits in the same mold too. But it's what they, the way they, way it's presented, I mean, for one, this is like, Veronica Fish, who we mentioned earlier yeah. in the show, did some of the art in the Spider-Woman run, doing some of the best work I've ever seen her do. It's gorgeous. It is such a beautiful book. Uh, and she she colors her own work as well. Um, and uh, uh, so the, basically this is about um, a, uh, a school that contacts uh, students that have not done well um, for basically them to get a scholarship at this uh, at this weird, creepy school. Yep. And upon arriving um, at the school, uh, this this group of misfits realizes that there's some fucked up shit going on yeah. at the school. Things get bad real fast. Really, really fast. And uh, it's this is a horror book, but it's a um, like not all ages horror, but uh, like fun horror. It's a fun. It's a fun teen horror. If you're not book. into horror. I'd, I'd, you could probably pick this up. Yeah, definitely. Like it's not that scary. Um, I know. But you know, it's a dark, it's a dark horse book too, and dark mm-hmm. horse are extremely good at doing very accessible horror. Yeah. Um, what's what I loved about this is like you know it has some very very evocative, um, creepy imagery. But um, my favorite thing is all of the interactions between all of these uh, students who are misfits and 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 you know like a lot loners. Yeah. Um, who are uh, their interactions between each other? They feel really real. Definitely. Even though they're playing into sort of a lot of cliches as to what you see in these sort of high school books, but um, but the dialogue is great. Dialogue is great. I loved the because it's it feels that the, the fashion feels like appropriately dated. Because mm. do you would I, were we right in thinking this is not set? It doesn't. I don't think it's like today. Yeah, because none of them have like none of them whip out that, their mobile phones. No. <laughs> Pre-mobile <clears throat> technology. Yep. Um, but yeah, the uh, the the um, what's it? The principal. Yes. So the principal, the dean, yeah, um, is uh, he, basically the book opens on him, kind of ad- admitting defeat to some form of demon that's infected the school, um, and uh, we see him later in the in in the uh, yeah l- later in the in the in the issue, and they all peer in and uh, into his like he's basically been like lying seemingly dead in his uh, in his office, and when they open the door, it, it smells like hell in there. Yeah, um, there's lots of yeah, there's, there's funny moments in this in this series, but. You know, there is this like kind of very fun creepiness beneath yeah. it all, and you don't know how many of our students are going to make it out alive. Um, but the ride is going to be fun, seeing who does and who doesn't. Um, cool. So that is um, Blackwood number one through Dark Horse Comics by Evan Dorkin, Veronica, and Andy Fish. Highly recommended. Can't wait to see where this series goes. Um, it's, it's a four issue miniseries as well through Dark Horse, um, and uh, I recommend everyone pick it up. Great covers by both Veronica Fish yeah. and uh, and Becky Cloonan too. Um, final book that I read this week <coughs> was for, oh, sorry, for, for final number one that I read mm. this week was We Are the Danger. 
number one out through Black Mask. And uh, this was created by Fabian Lillet, um, who wrote and illustrated it um, with colors by Claudia Aguirre. Um, and uh, this is about a, um, a young girl who moves from the Philippines to the States and um, is uh, kind of struggling to fit in. But she meets a girl who is a drummer. And when she goes to see her perform, um, the drummer is kicked out of her band and then promptly starts a new band with the girl from the Philippines who uh, is a reluctant front woman. Um, and uh, they, the end of the issue finds... Um, like the, the 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 drummer's earlier band, the, um, really really angry and upset that they've started a new one. This is a very very simple um, kind of yeah, simple easy yeah fun. I think if I was twelve, I would friggin love yeah. this. It's really cute. Um, the art reminded me a lot of Runaways. <coughs> okay, yeah, sure. Style and color. yeah, definitely. There's some good outfits on some of them. Um. But uh, yeah, like it's very much like my first band comic. Yeah, um, there's not a whole lot happening here, but I I thought it was fun and cute. Yeah, these, these if kind I of comics. If I was 14, I'd probably love this. These these kind of comics yeah. totally have a place. Yeah, um, and it's and it's when you're a teen. So if you know some cool teens who need some comics, um, we are the, danger. The biggest drama in your life is your friends not liking you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally right. Or getting backstabbed. Yeah, when you haven't just accepted that as part of life. <laughs> we are the danger, number one out through Black Mask. And instantly becoming best friends with someone you just met. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's great little trip <laughs> um, So yeah, that's we are, we are the danger out through Black Mask, the last number one that we'll talk about this week. Um, Megan, thank you so much for reading all those number ones. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I was about to say it was a pleasure, but then I was like, actually, I didn't enjoy like half of those comics. So. Um, I think I've got I've got like another twenty but comics to talk about, so I'll probably have to do that on my own. <laughs> I probably end up reading some stuff that I wouldn't have ordinarily picked up. But yeah, well, now I'll continue reading. Have so you? Yeah, it was I, a good exercise. Well, I like putting Siobhan on the spot mm. um, to, and say what her favorite comic was each each week. Yeah. What? Which of the number ones would you say was uh, was your favorite? Um, Aquaman, Jabberjaw. <laughs> definitely. Probably the Last Siege. Yeah. Followed by two thousand and twenty-one. Okay, cool. Really yeah, right. I probably put Blackwood at the top. Um, oh yeah, and, and this, yeah, uh, the last Those siege three and great. Valiant High, High. I really liked too, and Harbinger. Well, you know, there, there was some yeah. good stuff. It just wasn't put necessarily published by the big two this yeah. week. Um, thank you so much for uh, for joining us. If people want to follow you online, where can they do that? Um, on Twitter at Megan Date, so M E A G A N D A T E. Awesome. Thanks, parents. You put up uh, cool cool photos of you dressing up as uh, DC characters with brown hair. <laughs> Not yet, Not but yet. if you come and make some suggestions, then I, then I may. And of course, you can see Megan every month at uh, Queens of Kings, if you are a, a female or identify as female listener. Yes. Um, join uh, the Queens of Kings Facebook group, which is, uh, you can find all the links to it at facebook.com slash Queens of Kings. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's the last Sunday of every month. It's how Siobhan and Megan met. Yes. Um, so you know it's good. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, the next the next book for, for June is, is Runaways, right? No, we just did Runaways. You, oh, what's, so what's, what's next June's? book is Brazen. Um, ah, cool. Yeah, which is a really cool um, short story collection, I mm-hmm. guess you'd say, of um, illustrated stories of real women throughout history who did really cool things. Awesome, cool. So it's a lot of fun. Unreal. Um, well, thank you so much, Megan. And uh, me. I'll be back after this short break. G'day. My name is Sam and I produce the podcast Human Ordinary on the Planet Broadcasting Network. My podcast features stories about our relationships, culture, and all the things that make us human. I'm about to start season three of the show, and this year you'll hear stories from political activists, an archaeologist, aid workers, professional wrestlers, 
and some of my neighbours. These are stories about the extraordinary feat of being an ordinary human. So head on over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and check out Human Ordinary. That's human forward slash ordinary. Cheers. Hey everybody, I'm back. It's hours later. So much time has passed. I have a beard now and uh, Megan's gone uh, to a new life in a new country. But thanks so much to Megan for joining us for the first uh, half of this show. Um, half is being uh, not as generous as it deserves. I've got about four, uh, 20-something comics to talk about uh, by myself. I'm going to have to like give myself a time limit so I don't go crazy because when you talk to yourself into a microphone with no one reacting to the things that you're saying as you say them, you lose your mind a little bit. Um, so before I do all of the reviews of uh, Marvel, Image, DC, and other publishers, um, I think it's time for me to tell you a little about our sponsor of the show today, and that is Vans and Marvel, who are teaming up, joining forces once again to launch their largest collaboration to date. Um, I am uh, eagerly awaiting a pair of these coming uh, to my house very soon. Um, maybe next time you hear me uh, record an episode of Serious Issues, I'll be wearing a, uh, a cool pair of Vans shoes that have the Avengers all over them. And uh, you'll be able to hear it in my voice. You'll be able to hear You'll be like, that's a guy that has Kirby-era Captain America's over his big toes. Um, so that is just one of the of the many designs that Marvel have uh, lended to Vans for an extensive range of co-branded footwear, apparel, and accessories featuring all, an all-star roster of iconic personas, including the Avengers, Captain Marvel, Deadpool, Iron Man, Black Panther, Hulk, and more. Um, there are different um, styles of Vans available all over um, the world. And uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a pretty cool little selection in Australia. And if you would like to win three of those pairs of shoes, um, you can go to vans.com.au slash planet broadcasting. And all you got to do is answer the question, which superhero would be the best skateboarder and why? Um, there is a Marvel superhero that his like, whole shtick is that he, he rides a skateboard. So it's probably him. But, you know, it's, 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 it's up to you. All you need to do is go to vans.com.au slash planetbroadcasting. It's only available to uh, people that live in Australia. But hit me up on Twitter. I got a P.O. box. If you really want to enter this, um, I'll just, I'll, if you win, just send the three pairs of shoes to my P.O. box. I'll keep one of them and then send you two of them. Um, but you don't get to choose which two you get to keep and the one that I get to keep. I just, I pick my favorite. It's a, it's a, you know, but I'm, I'm serious though. Hit me up if you want my P.O. box you, and you live in like, Europe or America or wherever you're listening to this podcast from, hit me up. We can, we can do this. We can win these shoes together. The competition is running from the 4th of June till the 15th of June. So next week until the week up. This, right, right now. Shit, we've got one week, guys. You need to act fast. Uh, the Vans Times Marvel collection will be available to shop um, at Vans retail stores globally beginning June 8. Or you can visit vans.com.au for more information. Thanks too much to Thanks so much to Marvel and Vans for sponsoring the show. Uh, and uh, you'll be hearing a bit about this campaign across all the Planet Broadcasting shows this week because it's a cool little thing that we've got going. Uh, so now on to uh, a very cool segment called Levens Loses His Mind While Reviewing Comics by Himself. Uh, locked in his room that uh, his wife can't get into for the next half hour, I guess. Sorry, B. That's fine. It's pretty late. But, you know, who needs sleep? We're parents. Sleep's for idiots. Um, so normally I would like roll a dice or something to decide which publisher I talk about next, but, uh, DC only put out two books. So that automatically gets them 
or sorry, two books that I read, uh, and that 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 gets them just they can get they can be reviewed first. I'll do DC, then Marvel, then Image, and then other publishers. Um, if you're like, hey, I like those weird meaty reviews that you and uh, Siobhan do. Ugh, nothing is good when you describe it as weird and then meaty, <laughs> but whatever. If you uh, if you like those extensive reviews that we do where we ramble on about other things. Um, look, I, I say that I'm not going to do that now, but like fucking 10 minutes from now when I'm still talking about Justice League, no justice number four, um, I probably didn't stick to my rule. But anyway, I'm going to try and keep this short and sweet. Um, so Justice League, no justice issue four of four came out this week, uh, written by the powerhouse of DC writers, uh, Scott Snyder, James Tinian, the fourth and Joshua Williamson with art on this one, uh, by returning artist, Francis Manipool. Um, so this uh, comic looks as good as issue one and two did. Uh, with excellent colors and uh, and great great kind of new designs of all the characters because they're wearing this bizarre um, brainiac armor that they were given. Um, of course, this is the series that uh, divvied up all of the uh, Justice League heroes and villains um, into different teams uh, to stop a bunch of celestial beings from, I don't know, fucking the earth or something. Uh, and... Uh, the last issue I found way too kind of like just that super serious scientific mumbo jumbo shit that like totally was fine when you were reading that shit in like the sixties, which is an era that I definitely lived through. But now it's like, I don't know, you know, it's just it, 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 when it's delivered in such a dry manner with no kind of like joy or fun to it at all. I just, I'm like, why are we doing this? But this issue um, kind of got back to the heart of what makes these characters good. Um, I liked that Green Arrow played a really big role in this event, and it makes me sad that I don't read the Green Arrow book. Um, but hey, that's that's on me. I could just always just just pick that up again and start reading it. People still love it. Um, but uh, yeah, this whole thing was uh, like a kind of preliminary event to set up, precursory, sorry, event to set up. I mean, I'm going to mispronounce words, and no one will be able to tell me. Um, so look forward to that happening. But uh, this whole thing existed to set up three new Justice League books um, that should be advertised in this issue and I don't think they are. So well done DC. Um, last week you were advertising justice league, no justice inside an issue of justice league, no justice, but is there even a, they really didn't do it. There's no, there's no advertising for the next justice league book in the book that set it up. That is fucking ridiculous. There is an ad for the, uh, that the, those cool gamer chairs that you can buy. Make sure you use uh, the code DC Comics to get 15% off. Anyway, this event was uh, very pretty and um, up and down, but I think overall I liked it. Um, it was cool seeing all the teams, inter- all the characters interact in new teams, and um, I'll totally read all of the new um, Justice League books. There are three of them, um, and Snyder's writing one. Jim Chung is coming on as the artist on one of them, which is crazy. Uh, anyway, more on that later. Uh, Doomsday Clock was the other DC book that I read this week, issue 5 of 12. And I think this is going to be the last one we get for a couple of months, right? While Gary Frank, you know, does his painstakingly long uh, pencils because uh, he has just extremely long pencils and very short hands. That's why it takes him so long to do do the artwork. Um, he is a perfectionist. His, his art is excellent. Um, of course, uh, he works on this book with Jeff Johns, who has done the writing on this book. Um, this is the coming together of uh, the Watchmen universe and the current DC universe. And uh, I am enjoying the glimpses of Watchmen stuff that we're getting in this series. And aside from like like Adrian Vate's uh, interactions with Batman in this, I still don't understand what the point of having the DC characters is yet. Um, I don't really understand what the point of this series is yet, but, uh, I, you know, 
I guess if you, they are playing the long game and maybe one day I'll look back on this issue and be like, oh boy, they were sure we're setting things up in a great manner. Uh, but at this point, it's like, I don't know, things are happening. The fucking Joker's in this one. I don't know. Is this is this what we want? I guess so. It's pretty good. It looks great. I'll give you that much. So uh, Doomsday Clock, issue 5 of 12. Imagine a whole bunch of you are reading it. We're almost at the halfway point. Is this what, is this the series that you were expecting? I don't know what I was expecting. I think part of me was like, oh, this is going to suck. But also, like, I'm a Jeff Johns fan, I guess. Like, you know, he's written a lot of great big event comics and, and smaller runs. Like, he's done a lot of things that I've really enjoyed over the past. So, And he, he does seem to always kind of take the kind of more challenging big things that get thrown at him. Um, you know, that, that DC Rebirth one shot that he did was was awesome. Uh, so I'm, I'm waiting for all this to kind of click together and justify its existence. And I reckon it will. I just don't know what it's doing at the moment. Uh, so that those are the DC reviews. So thank you so much, DC, for putting out... Oh, I mean, actually, no. You, you put out those Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, but uh, also you put out some pretty okay books this week too. Um, so over to Marvel now. We have issue 800 of The Amazing Spider-Man written by Dan Slott with an incredible uh, list of artists uh, on this 80-page giant um we have uh basically a lot of artists that worked on uh dan slot's run um from the start uh this is i think he's been working on this for 69 years and uh this uh sees artists from the that long long period of time uh working on this issue so we've got art by nick bradshaw and edgar delgado humberto ramos with victor olazaba um giuseppe camancoli uh cam smith java tataglia uh, Stuart Immonen doing potentially uh, his last ever comic because he's, he's announced that he has no plans to do anyone, any more comics at this time, but I'm sure money will convince him otherwise. Uh, Wade Von Grobadger um, inking Stuart Immonen stuff. Marte Gracia on colors. Um, Cam Smith again. Uh, doing, uh, and then we've got Marcos Martin and uh, Monza Vincente. Uh, so there's a pretty great little lineup of, uh, of some of the better artists that have worked on Spider-Man over the last decade. Um, aka 69 years and um this uh this this sees a lot of threads that um dan slot introduced throughout his uh many issues like it's over 100 issues of spider-man that he's written um and uh this is kind of the whole thing is like a big coming to it's coming to a head of um ha- uh, norman osborne has uh bonded with uh carnage so like he's like the green a cross between the green goblin and carnage and um he's trying to like like create a new kid goblin carnage monster boy and um it's up to spidey to kind of band together with what remains of his uh superhero friends to take down norman osborne osborne once and for all there is a pretty uh pretty big death in this issue um of a character that i was quite fond of but he goes out in a heroic way i mean you know he'll probably stay dead for two years um but it was a bummer. It was a bummer to see that character go because I was an extremely big fan of him. Uh, not necessarily in this run, but in general. He was a character that I'm quite fond of. Um, but he dies a hero's death. And in the end of the day, is that not what we all want? Um, my favorite artist on this book, uh, no no, like you know, prizes given to anyone for guessing, but it's Stuart Immonen. When he, you know, about two-thirds of the way when he starts doing the big climactic action sequence um, towards the end of this book, it's just... Absolutely phenomenal. He's he is one of the, the best superhero comic artists around, and uh, it was a pleasure seeing his pages. And all the other artists are really good too. I love Bradshaw. I love Marcus Martin. I love Giuseppe Camincoli. So there wasn't really any like moment in this book where I was like, ugh. 
um, this guy sucks, which is uh, what you want out of every comic. Um, yeah, uh, look, this is a, a big, big, ridiculous action um, final issue. It's like actually, it's the second last issue of Dan Slots. He's doing 801 as his farewell to Spidey. Um, I'm really looking forward to, to reading the back matter of that one because I reckon Dan Slott has a good farewell, um, you know, little essay to write about Spidey, his favorite superhero ever. Um, so yeah, that is uh, Amazing Spider-Man 800. Um, I did not read every single issue of uh, Dan Slott's arc. Um, I read most of it and then kind of tapped in and out of the last year. Um, but I, I, I think this is this actually reads well as a, as, a, as an issue to buy on its own. So if you see it in the stores and you feel like parting with 9.99 American, uh, go ahead and get the Amazing Spider-Man 800. Um, we got the final issue of uh, a series that ran for much shorter amount of time than uh, Spider-Man did, and that is Lockjaw number four, um, written by uh, Daniel Kibblesmith with um, art by Carlos Villa. Um, and inks by Roberto Poggi, colors by Chris O'Halloran. Um, this book was not what I was expecting it to be. I was expected to be this kind of like silly, fun kind of comedy featuring a teleporting dog, which even as I'm saying that, God, that sounds like a great book. Um, and what we got was, I think, great, but just in a very different kind of great. It's centered around Lockjaw hanging out with a, a, the Marvel character D-Man, who was in a bad bad point in his life and wondering what his, you know, the purpose of his existence was and uh, I don't really know if they really justified it in, the, in this issue but it was fun it showed like uh, Lockjaw kind of like teleporting him and uh, and D-Man to different dimensions so we kind of catch up with uh, the, the, the Richards kids uh, they teleport to a, a world with the DC heroes we see like the boots of Superman and Wonder Woman flying in the air um, and uh, yeah it was it was it was a pretty sweet ending um, we know that Lockjaw now comes from a lineage of, uh, of uh, oh, sorry, a litter of of, uh, of four other. He's got four other Lockjaws in the in the uh, in the multiverse somewhere. So uh, maybe we'll see a, a, a book called Lockjaws next about teleporting dogs. That sounds fun. Uh, one of the best books that I read this week was uh, Marvel Two in One: The Thing and the Human Torch, issue number six, uh, written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Jim Chung. I think it's maybe his last book that he's drawing for Marvel which is a huge shame because uh, this is an incredible book uh, where he's drawing a whole bunch of crazy cosmic space stuff as um, uh, Ben Grimm and uh, Johnny Storm uh, have traveled to another 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 universe and um, they're working with another universe's uh, Reed and um, Susan, uh, aka Mr. Fantastic and whatever the fuck, is the Invisible Woman? I don't know. <laughs> I should know that. Um, but yeah, I've never really seen Chung do like huge, big space things. Um, so in, including, uh, uh, Dr. Doom who has become Galactus and, uh, all kinds of laser space fights and stuff like that. It just, it was a brilliant looking book, but also, you know, and I know I, I do enjoy Dan Slott's writing, but part of me really wishes that Zdarsky was the one writing, uh, the Fantastic Four book when they return because this pretty much is a Fantastic Four book. It has a brilliant amount of emotion to it and uh, and some great jokes too, which is all I want from a uh, uh, a Fantastic Four book. Chip's doing good stuff. This is I think this is Chip's best 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 series as a writer so far. Uh, Daredevil issue number six hundred and three, written by Charles Soule with Mike Henderson on art. I really like Mike Henderson as an artist. Uh, colors by Matt Miller. Uh, so Matt Murdock is the mayor. Uh, and the hand around and um, and Electra's trying to leave the city, but Matt Murdock's like, no, kill the hand with me. And she's like, oh, I do love killing. 
and then he frees a whole bunch of like criminals so they can like become soldiers in his war against the hand because that's what every sane mayor would do um and so this is a pretty stupid issue saved by an incredible final page uh in which um like this uh like this big fat guy that, that, that is like the the head of the, the 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 hand is like under the city and um and the hand are all around him going like oh now's the time my fat boss and the fucking like I, the the boss like then like opens his mouth and this gross green gas comes out of his mouth and then makes everyone who encounters it in New York City pass out yeah, pretty stupid, right? But then, uh, like, so because of Matt Murdock's heightened senses, he's the one of the first to pass out. But then, um, who should emerge uh, into the mayor's office wearing a gas mask? And there are, everyone's, like, pointing guns at him, like, who the fuck's this guy? And he takes off the, the gas mask and he goes, my name is Father Jordan. I'm Matt Murdock's priest. And that's the cliffhanger that we end on. And uh, that is how you keep me in a book, because I want to know what the priest is going to do next. Those are the Marvel reviews. Now we move over to Image. And uh, look, if you want to hear me just gush praise for the next uh, 10 minutes, that is exactly what you're going to get, because uh, Image put out a ton of good books this week, including the final issue of Barrier, the uh, series by Brian K. Vaughan, Marcos Martin, and uh, Munza uh, Vincente. Um, and this is a, a series that was um, out on uh, panelsyndicate.com, which is the uh, website owned by Brian and Marcos, um, but now collected for the first time uh, in a series of apparently, it will never be collected in a trade, but yeah, the, these singles came out um, every week for the last month, and uh, this is a book about uh, immigration and alien abduction and uh, the inability to communicate uh, due to language uh, barriers and... That is what the barrier is alluding to. Um, this has been an incredible series and it ends in, uh, I don't know if it's a satisfying way because it ends on like a, like, you know, you, you think, you think the heroes have escaped the, 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 the horrible fate that once awaited them, but have they really? It's a big question mark at the end of this. And, uh, but I think what, what, what this series really set out to do and its message, its message about you know the way we communicate as humans uh, from different parts of the world, I think was really, really well handled. And it, of course, it looked absolutely brilliant with some incredible ideas and some gross-looking aliens. Highly recommend everyone head to your local comic shop, pick up all five issues of Barrier because this is a very satisfying read, even though I just said it wasn't satisfying. It totally was. I was kidding you. You got punked. Uh, Saga is another book written by Brian K. Vaughan. He does this book with Fiona Staples on art. And uh, this book is impossible to review on the show without spoiling it because we're up to issue 52. And I think half of our listeners listen, uh, read this in trade. Uh, and, and this is a series that you don't want spoiled because really, really eventful things happen in every issue to these characters that you love. Um, and I don't, don't want to tell you um, who dies in this issue. It might be nobody. Um, but uh, this issue, uh, you know, it's, it, it does the usual saga thing of making you extremely sad and worried about these characters that you love so much, um, but it does it so well with so much flair. It's never done for shock value. Everything's so well thought out, and uh, they love just kicking you in the heart. Uh, and uh, this is still really, really good series. One day me and Siobhan will do a proper saga spoiler cast, and it'll be great because we can just uh, talk about our favorite deaths. Uh, speaking of deaths, Kill or Be Killed, issue number 19, written by Ed Brubaker, Sean Phillips, and Elizabeth Brightweiser. It was recently announced that this is the penultimate issue. Um, they didn't announce that, like, they didn't 
make an announcement that hey number 19 will be our second last issue they were like this is this is ending at 20 issues uh which i did think was abrupt but holy fuck this has probably one of the best final page reveals i've ever read in a comic um which shouldn't surprise you as this is a every issue of this is just a masterwork in comic book storytelling uh featuring incredible art just brilliant brilliant like uh layouts and incredible dialogue you know to think that i was like umming and ahhing about whether or not i liked this book when it started is just such so laughable to me now because it's you know it's easily my favorite book on the shelves and uh every issue it's just like oh sorry every other book this is my favorite this week uh but you've only got one more month of, of this being my favorite because there's only one more issue left and uh if i were you if you weren't if you were not reading kill or be killed i would uh just so you can read that final issue along with your good friends, me, um, I would pick up every issue of Kill or Be Killed um, in trade or in digital or in single issue format if you can track them down and, uh, and, and binge it all before the next issue comes out because um, it's, it's, it, uh, this is like, this is as like a big of an, an event as like a limited in, uh, indie series gets. Um, it's just the best and so satisfying and anything can happen. Uh, and I can't wait for them to announce their next series after Kill or Be Killed. They are they are my favorite comic book makers, that's for sure. Um, so is Jeff Lemire, though, and Jeff Lemire put out two books this week, one of which he did uh, the writing and art on, and that is Royal City, issue 11, which was recently announced as being a 14-issue series. Again, another another, issues that, another series that I thought would last for a long time. In fact, Jeff Lemire said as much when the, when the series launched. But uh, in the back matter here, he reveals that uh, he suddenly realized that he uh, he kind of accomplished the story that he wanted to tell in uh, in, a, in a much shorter amount of issues than he originally intended. Um, and this this issue it's it's a it's about you know a, a, a family of uh, of siblings um, who have grown up incredibly sad, <laughs> like many many of Jeff Lemire's books. He writes sadness very well, and. Uh, this uh, this this arc has been set in this this previous arc has been set in the nineties, um, and you you it was kind of leading up to the death of one of the main characters who we in the first issue of Royal City, his character haunts all the other characters, um, and uh, an extra layer of tragedy is added to uh, to this that explains why a lot of the characters. Uh, the way they are um, now that they're in present day after the the incident that led to uh, their brother dying. Um, this was a real kick in the gut, but um, an incredible, incredibly well drawn and well written kick in the gut, which is uh, how I like my kicks to the gut. Royal City number eleven, another series that you should be reading, um, featuring just beautifully illustrated and beautifully coloured um, Jeff Lemire art that he he does alone by himself. It's great. There's like lined paper beneath some of, beneath all the flashback stuff, which is a really really cool way of showing that something is in the past. Uh, and a lot of a lot of cool discoveries. Uh, you know, a very rewarding issue in terms of uh, paying off things that that were introduced uh, early on in the run. Um, we got uh, another issue of Descender this week. Descender issue uh, thirty written by Jeff Lemire with art by Dustin Nguyen. And I know this is ending quite soon too. Uh, this is, uh, in fact, this arc is called The End of the Universe. So, you know, obviously when the universe ends, so too does this comic book. And uh, this is uh, one of those issues that features a what should be a huge emotional moment, but because they're trying to set up so much else for, I guess, the finale of this series, it was a little bit uh, lost 
for me, like the the the, the Im- impact of, of this moment that we've kind of been waiting to happen since the beginning of this series um, was a little bit lost on me. It should have it, I should have felt it a lot more than I actually did. Uh, but that said, it was still a solid issue, and uh, I'll be able to talk about this uh, series as a whole more uh, as we as we kind of get closer and closer towards the end of the universe. Uh, Lazarus issue number twenty eight came out through Image this week as well. Um, this is now going to be either like a twice a month, sorry, once every two month series, or maybe even like quarterly series. Uh, Lazarus, of course, written by uh, Greg Rucker with art by Michael Lark, who took a year off um, last year um, so that he could get on top of things. Uh, Tyler Boss also joins him on art on here. So too does uh, colorist Santi Arcus. And uh, this issue, man, provided like this is an impossible to explain, not impossible, but like it's a difficult to explain issue if you've not been reading this series, but uh, Lazarus is Lazarus is set in a dystopian future in which uh, all of the world is divided up between uh, the, some of the wealthiest families in the world, and each of those families assign a, uh, a Lazarus, basically an incredibly powerful fighter who can be revived. They've been like genetically altered so that they can't really die uh, to protect them. And uh, we learn what happened to an abandoned member of the main family that um, the kind of uh, protagonist Lazarus um, forever belonged to um, her. Her brother, I guess, um, went went missing, um, and we kind of have spent the last two issues of Lazarus uh, catching up with him and seeing what he's been doing uh, while he was MIA. And uh, goddamn, uh, I know I've already said the kick in the gut uh, earlier, and uh, just like the kick in the gut I received while reading Royal City, uh, the one I received in Lazarus. Uh, the end of this issue was uh, very well written and well drawn as well. So thank you, Image, for kicking me in the gut in the most uh, most clever and intelligent way this week. Stray Bullets, Sunshine and Roses, issue 35, written and drawn by David Laffham. If you listen to the show, you know how much I love this series. And uh, they are currently... It's, it's, a, it's a very, very grim crime book. Um, some have described it as nihilistic, um, in which... Uh, we are kind of we've we've we're on a very very long so far thirty five issues long arc uh, that delves basically it fills in the gaps uh, fills in the gap of like of, of a year that um there was a time jump um, very early on in the Stray Bullet series is a series that started in the nineties and they're filling in a year of time um, and and what happened to the characters um, and introducing a bunch of characters that we know probably don't make it to the end of this year um, and one of the characters is. Uh, a um you know was was previously addicted to heroin and uh is struggling to not do heroin anymore um and he's also he's also uh gone AWOL from the army um and constantly seeing visions of things that aren't there and inanimate objects talk to him throughout this comic so the language the way they do that in the comic is very very fun uh, and you know basically he he goes on a date and he has uh, a rose that he brings to, for his date, and the rose is talking to him for the entire date and telling him to do fucked up things. And it, it was an incredible visual device, um, very well done issue. Um, you know, grim and sad and tragic um, as every issue of Stray Bullets is. Uh, but I just, I, what, I, all I want is everyone to read this book, please, because I don't can't like every issue finishes, and I'm like, oh boy. Can't wait to talk about that with nobody because I don't know anyone else that reads it. So please read Stray Bullets, Sunshine and Roses for me. Um, there's only, so there's 40 of the initial run, 41 of the initial run, sorry. Then there was an eight issue arc. So that's 49 up to 35 here. So uh, 
Yep, fifty four. Seventy four. All right, so there's seventy four issues of Stray Bullets for you to catch up on. Um, uh, can, let's meet back here. I reckon Stray Bullets thirty six comes out in well, four weeks time. That should be enough. Pick it up, everybody. Read Stray Bullets. It's, if you like crime books, um, it's rare that they're as good and uh, and long running as this. It's an incredible series. Please, oh, you owe it to yourself, fam. Uh, Savage Dragon issue two hundred and thirty four is the last image book I'm going to read, and coincidentally, probably the last issue of Savage Dragon I'm going to read. I came on board around issue 225. So I almost made it through 10 issues. Nobody tell Jim at King's. Just Let's just pretend that, I, that I'm still reading this. I still might pick it up because it is so over-the-top ridiculous. But midway through reading this issue, I was just like, man, what the fuck? Why am I reading this? It's not bad. I mean, it kind of is. But but it's uh, it's mostly just uh, an incredibly not-for-me book that... Uh, that, that, that I'm, I'm just fascinated by. I'm not sure if I enjoy it. I just find it fascinating. Uh, now we move over to other publishers. And uh, we have the final issue of two Boom series that came out this week. One of them is uh, issue five of Abbott, written by Saladin Ahmed, with art by Sammy Cavella and uh, colors by Jason Wordy. Um, this is the book uh, set in Detroit in the 70s, uh, maybe earlier. Possibly, I think the 70s. Yeah, it's pretty It's pretty funky. Um, and uh, features a black journalist um, who is seeing visions of supernatural bullshit as she tries to uh, solve the crimes that she's writing about. Um, and this got really, really supernatural towards the end. And we, this, this big climactic final issue sees her battling both personal demons and physical demons that are actual demons from hell that she has to destroy. Um, I think I really, really enjoyed the grounded parts of this series and the supernatural stuff less so, but they definitely looked good because Sammy Cavella is an excellent artist. But um, I feel, still think Salad and Ahmed is going to be a very, very great writer that you should all be following uh, You know, yeah, as, as, as a writer. Um, just maybe this is... Uh, this is a character that he could develop more in the future um, and, and maybe maybe hold back on the on the supernatural stuff a little bit. But whatever, he can do whatever he wants also. Um, I'll probably still read it because that's the kind of guy I am. Abbott, pretty good series. Just not what I was expecting. Um, Grass Kings uh, is a uh, the 15th issue of which came out this week, written by Matt Kent with art by Tyler and Hilary Jenkins. Beautiful uh, watercolor art on this book that has a very, very dark finale um but dark in in a way you kind of expect because the whole the whole series exists as a uh, story of a series of unsolved murders that lead a um that lead a, a, everyone who's kind of like trying to solve them to the grass kingdom which is an off the grid uh you know self-run community um that's not that's off that's off the map as well I guess that's that's what you uh, what you assume when something's off the grid. The grid is the map, I guess. Uh, but they've been living secluded for a while, and the outside police uh, force is, uh, you know, threatening to come and stomp all over their land and, and arrest everybody because of these unsolved murders. And we learn who the killer is in this issue. And not only do we learn who the killer is, we learn his motive for killing. And uh, it was pretty fucked up. Um, uh, yeah, uh, I've I've never actually like certainly similar. I don't want to spoil it, but I've read similar kind of 
explanations in comics or in, in books or whatever about like, you know, villains motivations. But this was really, really a, a, a depraved without being gory or graphic, just a really, really broken person doing something awful repeatedly. Um, <clears throat> for a reason that I've never really seen before in a, in a story. Uh, a, a, a really, really like sad and a bummer of a conclusion, but a well done one. Um, and I think the same creative team has just announced a new series that they're doing at Boom Together, which may or may not tie into Grass Kings. This is a great series. Uh, I would highly recommend getting the trades. It's beautifully uh, collected and printed. Um, this will look good, good in trade. Some of the some of this art is just absolutely phenomenal. These brilliant spreads of... Uh, of, of trees and, and sunsets and blood. Great stuff. Um, Quantum and Woody this week. Issue number six came out through Valiant Comics with uh, a new creative team uh, taking over from uh, Daniel Kibblesmith and Kano, who were... I'm just going to take a drink of water here right now. I've, I've, it's been half an hour. I said this is only be 20 minutes and I've gone over it and I need a drink of water. Oh, I hope that sounded good because it tasted good. Um, but yeah, Daniel Kibblesmith and Kano were the uh, creative team on the last five issues of this run. And I really enjoyed that. Um, and I don't know why Kibblesmith is not still on this book. And instead we get Elliot Rahal, Francis Portella and Andrew Dollhouse, um, who were kind of like staple uh, creators working at Valiant. But I don't know if Elliot Rahal like didn't get the memo that Quantum and Woody is a comedy book because there's no jokes in this issue. Um, it's the two of them stumbling across a fire and saving all the people in the in the apartments from burning alive. And there's no jokes. They both almost die. And then there's a really weird ending. And I just I was just like, why is the book doing this now? Uh, it just I, I, I get like you know you can't keep the same creators on a book for a while if you're a smaller publisher. But to publish something so completely different, it was ballsy, I guess. But also, like, not why I read this book to begin with. So there's that. I'll give the next issue another shot, though, because the finale, the final, pe- the cliffhanger was interesting enough to be like, I need to kind of find out where they're going with this. One more book to go, everybody. This has been great fun. Um, and I'm going to end on an extremely high note. Um, Vampironica, issue number two, came out through Archie Horror Comics this week, uh, written by Greg Smallwood. And Meg Smallwood with um, art by Greg Smallwood, and it's hilarious that a book about a horror book about vampires was the most joy that I got out of a comic this week. Um, it could be that uh, the story is just a brilliant take on both horror tropes and also like teen tropes and Archie tropes. Just it really effortlessly moves at a great pace. Um, that. Like it, it just it just it, it hits all the notes you want it to, um, but still keeps you guessing with what this what the book is going to do next. Basically, um, uh, Veronica Lodge, uh, the popular um, will they won't they of uh, Archie's love triangle, uh, has become a vampire, and she's already uh, drunk blood from Reggie's neck, so he's also a vampire too. Um, but she finds an unlikely ally in Dilton. The, uh, the geeky one from Archie, Archie's friends um, who, uh, who, who is trying to help her. And um, it's really, really great. I mean, this reminds me a lot of when I first started reading um, Afterlife with Archie, which is a comic that now comes out like once a year. Uh, but this is, uh, it's, they're having a lot of fun with it. And it's a weirdly sweet story too, whereas Afterlife with Archie just got darker and darker as it went on in a, in a very fun way. This is, this is fun, sweet with... 
it's not it's it's the least horrific of uh of of all the Archie horror books, um, but it has like it has it definitely has like this kind of like dark menacing tone beneath it, but it's still it's a really really fun like like yeah like Veronica is still even though she's a vampire she's a really sweet vampire she doesn't want to eat people but she just has to, um, and it goes without saying that Greg Smallwood's art is absolutely incredible, um, and to just get a whole issue of it once a month is excellent and the fact that he's drawing vampire versions of all the archie characters uh is just a real treat so uh thank you to the smallwoods for delivering an excellent second issue of this great series vampironica um if you're a riverdale fan or a fan of the previous archie horror books or whatever uh you should definitely give this a shot it's so good it looks so great and uh and i I just had a, a real a real blast reading this comic and sometimes that's that's what's what you need when you read a comic you want you want to have the melding together of a great idea with the beloved characters, not characters that no one really liked to begin with, and a bad idea. Shouts to the four horsemen of the apocalypse that we had to read earlier in the show. That's it for the show, everybody. This was fun. I want to thank Siobhan Coombs, first of all, for giving me the opportunity to talk alone in my bedroom at 11.30 on a Monday night. Um, bigger thanks to Megan Date, for joining us earlier on the show, talking through first things first. I cooked her dinner after um, after we recorded. Um, she got to enjoy dinner with me and my wife and my two children uh, who insisted that she show them Wiggles film clips on her phone. So that was a cool experience for her, I think. Um, if you would like to uh, shower us with praise, there are many places you can do that online. Facebook.com slash groups slash Serious Issues Podcast is the main place where we do all of our communication and talking with friends and fans, people who love comics. Uh, 24-7, we have a Facebook group. All we do is talk about comics in there. And, uh, you know, we argue with each other about the ones that are good. It's very, it's very civil in there, too. Um, and uh, people correct me with all the things I get wrong in every show. And I'm looking forward to being wrong at about at least eight things in this episode. Um, because I don't have Siobhan, like, making a look at me when I, when I say the wrong thing in this episode. It's really, I actually, I did print out a few pictures of Siobhan to stick on my wall as I recorded. Um, but I forgot to print out that facial expression because I, it would confuse me. And I would presume that everything was wrong instead of the usual every second thing. Um, another place you can find us is on Twitter. We are serious underscore underscore issues. Wait. Yes. Are we? Yes. Serious underscore underscore issues at serious underscore underscore issues on Twitter. Uh, and we have a Patreon too, did you know? Uh, Patreon.com slash serious issues podcast is where you can go to support the show uh, and to uh, find a whole bunch of bonus extra material that we've put up um, over 10 hours now of uh, bonus episodes. Just last week, we put up one about graphic novels that we've read, a whole bunch of very cool graphic novels. Um, just me and Siobhan just talking about even more comic books that we read each week. Um, and very soon, um, we're going to start featuring a few ads on the regular show. This, this show you're listening to right now, I think may have had one. Uh, we're going to be advertising other podcasts on the Planet Broadcasting Network, plus a few other advertising opportunities that we're getting um, through uh, through the network, um, just to, so we can uh, you know pay the bills. Uh, so we're actually going to be offering everyone on who supports us on Patreon will be give, doing a feed where they get the, the episodes without any ads. So if that sounds of interest to you, patreoncom slash issues podcast, um, and you get access to a whole bunch of extra bonus stuff too. It's it's a win win situation for everybody really. Uh, so thank you so much for listening. If you want to follow me individually 
or just you know me on alone just if you want to just give me a virtual high five which is the lamest thing i've ever said but whatever twitter.com slash levdog um and maybe if you want to say a lamer thing than virtual virtual high five um i encourage you to do so do your worst my friends twitter.com slash levdog i'm also on instagram everywhere else just look up levens or levdog that's where you'll find me got a whole bunch of other podcasts too hey fam old raps all the small games check them out they're pretty fun thank you so much um do you want to know what's coming out next week i just sent off uh, my massive order it's another huge week uh every week i'm like i need to try and cut this list down but there's just too many good comics coming out also too many not good comics coming out but we made a deal where i read every number one even the ones that are mashing up two comics that i never liked to begin with the cool things that are coming out next week oh i should have mentioned we didn't actually get batman prelude to the wedding i didn't ship to kings this week so unfortunately i didn't get to read that but apparently there's another one coming out next week too um we have uh, a whole bunch of marvel number ones starting we've got a new dazzler comic a new deadpool comic a new doctor strange comic and a new hulk comic we've also got the new justice league coming from dc we have the final issue of koshi the deathless which is a dark horse hellboy story that i've been really enjoying and i think we'll stick the landing it's been a very good series there is a cool looking book called sword daughter starting next week too um and we get the second issue of valiant high uh, which is a book that i talked about at the start of the show it seems like I, well, that was a week ago um but that's a good series you should check it out also a new issue of jazz maynard i love that a new trade of descending stories aka showa genroku rakugo shinju uh, which is a great manga about uh like japanese theater that i recommend everyone read uh you know what i've talked enough to everybody slash myself so i'm gonna i'm gonna wrap it up here this has been very fun and uh enjoy yourselves until i talk to you again uh in fact siobhan's just gonna do all the talking next week i'm just gonna be like uh-huh uh, we all know that's not gonna happen anyway see you later bye This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. 
As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.